0: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
3: There had been abuse in my family, but it was mostly musical in nature. any of this lover's lament crap. I want something peppy, something happy, something uptempo. I want something snappy.
1: As critics, we're constantly name-checking our musical heroes. The only people to do that more are musicians themselves. I'm Greg Kot of the Chicago Tribune, and I'm Jim DeRogatis
4: from WPEZ at Columbia College. We talk about great moments of hero worship in rock and roll, and review the new albums by R&B artist Van Hunt and metal monsters
1: Mastodon. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX. You're listening to Sound Opinions. Hey hey, what he
5: got? Three I wrote you a song. About a funny old. To come in along Seems second, it's hungry, it's tired and it's torn. It looks like it's a dying and it's hardly been born.
4: You're listening to Sound Opinions, I'm Jim Dirigatis, he's Greg Codd, and that is Bob Dylan from nineteen sixty-two Song to Woody. Greg A cornerstone of the Sound Opinions philosophy is that everybody's a critic, but everybody also is a fan. That includes musicians. Musicians started playing music because they loved music and they had certain heroes, right? And there's a tradition in rock and roll that goes back even long before Bob Dylan where a young musician will give a shout-out, a name-check, if you will, to a hero That he or she worships Writing a song about one of the people That was instrumental in giving them their start We're going to go back and forth And play some of the greatest hero worship songs In rock history today So whenever
1: we do a show like this, Jim We have a specially minted coin Today's theme is hero worship So we've got a coin with superheroes on one side Or the other Mine is going to be Batman I'm going with the vintage Green Lantern Before this recent lame movie (laughs) All
4: right, coins in the air? And the Green Lantern wins. I get to go first, Greg, and I've got a good story to start us out. In my youth, way back when, I ventured across the river to CBGB to see one of my favorite bands in the early 80s, The Replacements, play on a Sunday night where they happened to share a bill with Alex Chilton, the legendary leader of Big Star. Alex had had nine lives. He had numerous career reinventions. This was at a point where he was realizing that many people in indie rock loved ...what he had done with Big Star. The Replacements shared a stage with him. And I stood next to Paul Westerberg as he watched Chilton play. He became one of Westerberg's heroes. Chilton was a god to Westerberg. He was supposed to produce Chilton, the first Warner Brothers record by The Replacements, Tim. But the whole plan fell apart. Eventually, he played a little bit of guitar on some of the songs on Please To Meet Me. But that album also featured Westerberg paying homage to his hero children by the millions sing for Alex Chilton when he comes around they sing I'm in love what's that song I'm in love with that song Alex Chilton never sold millions of records but as Westerberg said I never travel far without a little big star here is the replacements with Alex Chilton on Sound Opinions Chilton by The Replacements on Sound Opinions, my
1: first hero worship song. Greg, what are you going to go with? I'm going to go with Van Morrison, Jim, who I think is the number one serial name dropper in all of rock and roll. This man's songs are just rife with references to his heroes. You know, you think of a song like Fair Play from Veed Fleece, where he's mentioning all these authors that inspired him. Oscar Wilde, Edgar Allan Poe, Henry David Thoreau. In the song Cleaning Windows, he mentions Muddy Waters, Jimmy Rogers, Lead Belly, and Jack Kerouac. Countless references to the poet William Butler Yeats in his songs. In this particular song, not only did he name an artist within the song, but he actually titled the song after one of his heroes. And who doesn't love Jackie Wilson? Van Morrison sure did. As a youth growing up in Ireland in 1957, hearing Jackie Wilson's song Reet Petite," the sweetest girl in town... On the radio was an inspiring moment. Very influential song for young Van. Influenced his vocal style to a great degree. What he heard not only was the vast operatic range that Wilson had, but the exuberance that he brought to that particular song. And when Van is name-checking his heroes, there is no one more joyous, more exuberant. Because, you know, it's interesting, because Van has this reputation as kind of a cranky dude. But when he's singing about his heroes, man, all those inhibitions drop by the wayside, and he is in heaven. So it's appropriate that in this song, celebrating the power of love ostensibly, the love that knocks him off his feet, he's equating it to the thrill of hearing Jackie Wilson for the first time. Jackie Wilson singing Rit Petite." And when this song opens, you cannot help but have a smile on your face. It's Van scatting along over these hand claps. Then the voice is joined by that jumping saxophone line, and you do feel like you're being lifted straight up to heaven when you hear this song. It's Van Morrison singing, Jackie Wilson said, I'm in heaven when you smile, on sound opinions.
2: Jackie Wilson sang, it was written
1: Morrison with Jackie Wilson said I'm in heaven when you smile name checking one of his heroes that is from 1972 Jim what do you got next Greg if the replacements Alex Chilton was one of the best
4: known hero worship songs of all time this next one is going to be really obscure we've done a lot of episodes of sound opinions without ever once talking about television personalities i think it's about time this was one of Britain's longest running, from the new wave era all the way up almost into the 90s, underground psychedelic pop groups. The one constant, the singer-songwriter Dan Treacy, they were very prolific, went through numerous lineup changes, never broke in a major way. There was one time, however, with one song where they made a pretty big ripple. The band was getting its chance to finally play for some big audiences. Again, there had been a lot of Pink Floyd psychedelic pop, early years Pink Floyd, Sid Barrett in their sound. And David Gilmour, who, you know, had replaced Barrett in Pink Floyd, invited them to open a tour. Tracy makes the mistake at one point of introducing this song, which they wrote as a pretty loving homage to Sid Barrett. I know where Sid Barrett lives by, I think he was a little inebriated, giving out Sid Barrett's address uh-huh. in Cambridge. Barrett, you will recall, was the founder of Pink Floyd, who suffered a combination of drug abuse And mental problems and withdrew to live a hermit-like existence in Cambridge. Not ever talking about music again, not ever playing music again from the 70s on, okay? Pink Floyd famously made Wish You Were Here and Shine On You Crazy Diamond about him. They were very protective of him, made sure he got his royalties and lived as comfortable as possible. Gilmore was infuriated that this guy, this young punk on stage, was giving out Sid Barrett's home address, Mm. basically inviting people to go bother the poor old madcap the madcap laughs was one of Barrett's solo albums however if we go back to the song I know where Sid Barrett lives there's a little man in a little house with a little pet dog and a little mouse these are all references to Barrett lines they were fans television personalities mm-hmm. I think they regretted forever giving out Sid Barrett's address here is the song by television personalities on sound opinions
6: there's a little man in a little house With a little pet dog And a little pet mouse. I know where he lives And I'll visit him We have Sunday tea Sausages and beans I know where he lives I know where Sid Barrett lives He was very famous Once upon a time And no one knows Even if he's alive But I know he lives And I'll visit him In a little hut Cambridge. I know where he is. Oh. Cause oh. I know where sea paradise. Oh. And the trees and the flowers are so pretty, aren't like. they? He was very. time, and no one cares, even if he's alive. We do. But I know where he lives, and I visit him, in a little hub, by the edge of the wood.
1: I know where Sid Barrett lives from Television Personalities, a great song about hero worship, Jim, certainly. I'm going to go to the band The Hold Steady. Like Van Morrison, these guys' songs are just rife with references to music, and specifically the music that inspired them when they were growing up. It's amazing, that that magical allure of hearing those great records for the first time at that kind of tender age when you're when you're really going from being a kid into adulthood. Those records stick with you the rest of your life. And I love the way that the Hold Studies Craig Finn uses these records as sort of a soundtrack for the songs that he's writing now. So, if you listen to any dozen Hold Steady songs, you're going to hear references to to the music that inspired him to become a rock and roller in the first place. This song that I'm going to play, Constructive Summer, opens with a reference to Iggy Pop's Lust for Life. You know, him and his buddies are sitting around in a dead-end town trying to figure out what their next move is and they're drumming along to Lust for Life. And They're talking about the fact that, you know, we've got this dreary existence, but at the end of the day, the only person that's going to be able to help you get out of it is yourself. You can't rely on anyone else to help you out. Let this be my annual reminder that we can all be something bigger, is what he says. And then he goes on in the last verse to hit you right between the eyes with the punchline. He says, Joe Strummer was the greatest teacher I ever had. Mm. I learned that lesson from listening to Clash Records. It's a beautiful moment and a beautiful song by the Hold Steady. Constructive Summer on Sound Opinions.
4: Constructive Summer by The Hold Steady on Sound Opinions. We'll continue name-checking some heroes of rock in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. And later on, it's time to do some headbanging as we review the new Mastodon. I
5: hear this Robert
2: Zimmerman,
5: a song for you. A truthful vengeance that could
2: be lies to the floor Brought a few more
5: people on And put the fear in a whole lot more Ah, here she comes Here she comes Here she comes
2: again
4: back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott, And that is LCD Sound System with Daft Punk is playing at my house. A great example of hero worship, the theme of today's show, which we are defining as great musicians paying tribute to some of their musical heroes in song. And Greg, this is a classic. The next one I'm going to lay on you. We have interviewed Cheap Trick on the show. I have asked them, I've asked Rick Nielsen, what is this song about? And he just kind of smiles and laughs. It is an undeniable classic, Surrender. Not a hit when it originally came out, became a hit a few years later when they recorded it live at Budokan, a timeless tune, which you were speaking earlier about that tender age when you're right on the cusp between childhood and adulthood. Part of the mix is sexual confusion, Mm -hmm. all right, and beginning to contemplate whether you are attracted to or repelled by the things that adults do. This would include stumbling on your parents, rolling joints, and rolling around (laughs) amorously on the couch, which sends the young Nielsen or the stand-in in in this song running back to his room to pull his Kiss records out. (laughs) He's not quite ready for that. A lot of advice here from the parents to the child about the mysteries of sex and it's all kind of icky at that age and the kid wants to stay a kid a little bit longer that's my take on surrender Mm. in any event cheap trick had toured with kiss cheap trick i think knew deep down it was much better as a band than kiss ever could be and i don't think this is entirely hero worship but but certainly kiss was huge at that point and they get name checked in this song here is surrender by cheap trick on sound opinions Surrender by Cheap Trick on Sound Opinions. Greg Gott,
1: you got another hero worship song? I do, Jim, and I cannot get enough of Cheap Trick and Surrender. That is a great song every time I hear it. Another classic, a classic band, the Ramones. Jim, I can't think of any band that has had more songs written about them or tribute albums about them than the Ramones. Several bands have redone entire Ramones entire albums, albums in tribute. Yeah. Yes, and countless artists have cited them in interviews as, as a huge influence. I think for a certain generation of musicians they were the equivalent of the beatles they certainly were for me growing up i was like the first band talk about that transition from youth to adulthood they were kind of a cartoon but at the same time they were deadly serious and they wrote these great timeless pop songs that had a jokey element to them but also this incredible melody and craftsmanship and they have stood the test of time of all the tributes that have been out there to the ramones of all the hero worship songs about the ramones I think one of the very best is by Frank Black. Charles Thompson III, Black Francis of the Pixies, as he's otherwise known. I heard Ramona sing from his debut solo record as Frank Black back in the early 90s. What's so beautiful about this song is I think that Frank used to write somewhat obliquely when he was with the Pixies. But in this song, he speaks to his deep love for this music and how it hit him. That first verse is fantastic. I had so many problems, and then I got me a Walkman I really liked it a lot, and they walked right in and they solved them. The Ramones solved my problems. Here I am, this screwed up, misguided kid, and I put the Ramones on my Walkman, and suddenly the world became clear to me again. I knew what I had to go out there and do. Frank Black, I heard Ramona sing on Sound Opinions. Frank Blank from his 1993 solo debut album with I Heard Ramona Sing, a tribute to the Ramones on Sound Opinions. And a fine tune that was, Greg.
4: You know, when you talk about hero worship, one of the first names that came to mind for me was Robin Hitchcock. He has written many fine songs about people in popular culture who he loved. Now, we decided to limit this show to hero songs about musicians. Otherwise, I'd be playing Raymond Chandler Evening, okay? (laughs) That's a song about a novelist. Hitchcock, though, on A Star for Bram, wrote a beautiful song called I Saw Nick Drake. Drake, of course was the early 70s English folk rock artist who really wasn't discovered until the mid to late 90s, right? You mm-hmm. know, career renaissance, very late on. We had Joe Boyd on the show, uh, producer of some of his records, you know, and it was a Volkswagen commercial that that wound up making Drake a star. But when Drake recorded that final album, Pink Moon, he was so depressed, he literally could not stand erect in the studio, was laying in the dark on his back recording those songs and died soon afterwards, a suicide. Robin Hitchcock, in his usual way, pays loving tribute to this artist, who he clearly was devoted to, but then also inserts his absurdist humor in a very kind way. I think sometimes people think everything Hitchcock is singing is jokey, and it's not. I saw Nick Drake at the corner of time and motion. I caught his eye, and he caught mine. I said... You're tall, he said, no taller than tomorrow's ocean. I saw Nick Drake, and he was fine. I mean, what a wonderful thing. You know, in Nick Drake's music, it is not despairing music. It is music about struggling to find the brightness in life. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what Hitchcock is remembering. And Drake was. Drake was like 6'7 or something. And Hitchcock is very tall. You can just picture Robin meeting Nick Drake in some netherworld and saying, oh, my, you're tall. (laughs) (laughs) I love this song. I Saw Nick Drake by Robin Hitchcock on Sound Opinions. I
7: saw Nick Drake At the corner of time and motion I caught his eye And he caught mine I said you're tall He said no taller than tomorrow's ocean I saw Nick Drake And he was fine I saw Nick as we were carrying.
1: I saw Nick Drake from Robin Hitchcock on Sound Opinions, a great hero worship song from uh, Jim Girigatis there beautiful song about an artist who was unjustly overlooked for many many years until people like Robin Hitchcock started talking about him and in that case writing a song about him. Hey, Hitchcock himself unjustly overlooked often. We forget that guy has written like 120 <laughs> yeah. songs That's right. that good. Exactly. Talking about a great songwriter, Stevie Wonder has written more great songs I would argue than any artist of the last half century. Certainly there's others who are in that same level as him but no one has outdone Stevie Wonder in terms of just timeless classics after Timeless Classic, and this is one of them. Stevie has a beautiful heart. I really think as a musician, he honors not only what's going on around him, he sees the world through his songs in a fascinating way. He has a great deal of empathy for the oppressed people in the world, but also for the people who have been forgotten. And they include a lot of the musicians that influenced him, that he, whose records he grew up with. And I think in the mid 70s, when he was making one of his classic albums, Songs in the Key of Life, really a celebration of music. I mean, Stevie had just survived a near fatal accident, and he came back into making music with the idea that I am going to celebrate being alive and what it is about life that is worth celebrating. And that is music, in particular, the jazz music that he felt was fading from recognition in mainstream culture, and he wanted to recognize the great artists that had come before him and influenced his sound. So in Sir Duke, besides the title character, Sir Duke Ellington, that he named there is also Count Basie, Louis Armstrong, Ella Fitzgerald, and somewhat incongruously, Glenn Miller. Mm. But we'll forgive him that one. The rest of the artists he's naming there are truly master, master jazz musicians. And he would record quite a bit as a solo artist, play all the instruments himself. But for this particular piece, he enlisted a nine-piece band to recreate that blazing big band sound that Basie and Ellington got on their great original recordings. And that horn part in this song, that horn climbing up those stair steps of notes on that chord, that is just one of the great horn riffs of all time as far as I'm concerned. The chorus, you can feel it all over, I mean, you can still hear people singing that, right? That is joy incarnate. It's Stevie Wonder celebrating Duke Ellington on Sir Duke on Sound Opinions. Stevie Wonder singing about his heroes on the 1976 track Sir Duke from Songs in the Key of Life. That caps off our hero worship episode and we invite you to check out our list again at soundopinions.org. Now we want to turn it over to you. Talk about your favorite hero worship track at 888-859-1800. We'll be back with reviews of new records by Van Hunt and Mastodon. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.
2: Now, Sukie. I
4: Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott, and that is Van Hunt with a wonderful song called "Watching You Go Crazy" is driving me insane from his recent album "What Were You Hoping For." His third official release, although not his third album. Greg, what a story this man has had. Born and raised in Dayton, Ohio initially became part of the Atlanta music scene centered around Arrested Development did a lot of cool work early on for Dion Farris struck out on his own in 2003 debut album self-titled 2004 a follow-up in 2006 on the jungle floor both very strong artistically for Capitol Records but they didn't sell so Capitol moved him over to the Blue Note label traditionally the home of many jazz artists he made a good record for them too But the follow-up, a record that was to have been called popular, they decided not to release. He was complaining they weren't promoting him enough. They were complaining he wasn't selling enough records. They wouldn't give him the rights to buy back that record to release it on his own. So now, after a long wait, it's been four or five years, we have What Were You Hoping For, the album he's putting out independently. He plays most of the instruments. Like Prince, he's a multi instrumentalist guitar, keyboards, drums, bass, synthesizers, but he also has had a very strong band in recent years with which he tours. What is he giving us on this record? Let's play a track and then we'll come back and give our reviews. This song is called Designer Jeans from Van Hunt. What were you hoping for on Sound Opinions?
1: That's Designer Jeans from Van Hunt. His new studio album is called What Were You Hoping For? You know, that great disappointment when his popular album, as he titled it in 2008, maybe in a hopeful manner, (laughs) never came out. And clearly he had to reassess what he was all about. What he's come back with, Jim, is an album that feels like a, a man who has been freed from the shackles of Whatever it was that was sort of constraining him, I think they wanted to consistently pigeonhole him as an R&B artist, and here he is declaring, I can be whoever I want to be. Much of this album is set in North Hollywood. There's a song titled that, and I think that's a place where anything can happen. And so he's ranging all over the map, genre-wise. You know, we've got a little bit of psychedelia. We've got some blues. We've got some rock. We've got some soul. We even got a country feel on a couple of these songs. Yeah. I mean, it really adventurous stuff. A wonderful singer a very insightful songwriter just in terms of the way he turns phrases but musically is where this album is really blowing my mind there's a track on this album called a time machine is my new girlfriend jim (laughs) and i think that kind of sums it up that puts him in that tradition of of sunra and hendrix and george clinton where they seem to be traveling through time and they are blurring boundaries they are taking bits of one genre and matching it with another and creating this magnificent hybrid I think this is one of the best albums of the year. What Were You Hoping For? Buy it all the way for me. What Were You
4: Hoping For definitely gave me what I was hoping for. I knew that this guy's a great talent, and this is the album that's been in him from the beginning. The name, shockingly, Mr. Cott, that you have not mentioned is Prince. The prince of around the world in a day. The prince of I will honor no genre boundary. I'm going to try everything. I'm going to do it all. There's that kind of wild, crazy, insane invention, and he pulls it off. This is a wonderful record to listen to. This guy should be forming the future of R&B and in soul. Instead, he's in the margins as a cult hero. He deserves a much wider audience. A very enthusiastic double buy it.
1: That is the song Blasteroid from the new Mastodon album, The Hunter. Yeah, just just maul on that for a little bit, Blasteroid. What I mean, a name! Sums up this band. They have been the saviors of metal, as they've been called in some sectors of the hard rock press over the last decade or so. They've made a series of records, high concept albums such as Leviathan in 2004, Blood Mountain in 2006, Crack the Sky in 2009. They've moved up to a major label. They've been on uh, Reprise slash Warner Brothers for the last couple of records and won a big following that has managed to straddle that underground credibility with the metal crowd with a more accessible sound, some emphasis on melodies and harmonies that you don't often hear from a lot of underground metal records. So now comes the fifth studio album from this Atlanta quartet. It's called The Hunter. We're going to review it in a second. But first, let's play a track. It's called Dry Bone Valley on Sound Opinions.
4: High Bone Valley by Mastodon from album number five, The Hunter. What a song, Greg. What a band. What an album. Some people in the metal underground sneer and say these guys are the one metal band that indie rock-loving hipsters can like. <laughs> Indeed, you and I were headbanging in a massive way when they played the Pitchfork Festival and pretty much steamrolled over it a few years ago. I don't think that's valid. I think from the beginning they said they wanted to combine Black Sabbath, Classic metal, which let's remember was very, very tuneful amid the Sturm und Drang, and the Melvins, they've always had a love of art rock here. Sometimes it has come out in those massive concept albums like Leviathan which was their metal retelling of Moby Dick and sometimes it's come out in musical invention. I think that this is this is an album that's not a concept record. It's just a collection of songs a collection of musical experiments they range far and wide there's some, some very atmospheric art rock progressive kind of stuff some psychedelia and then some just pure pounding hard rock but it never lacks melody it never lacks instrumental prowess i love this band i don't care whether you're a metal diehard or an indie rocker or whatever there is something to love about mastodon it's a buy it record as far as
1: i'm concerned I think some people are downgrading this record a little bit, Jim, because it is not a concept record and therefore a little less ambitious. And, uh, you know, I have to admit, I, I, I sort of miss those weird song cycles they were doing. I love when this band sort of goes way out there and sort of takes that hard rock sound way out of traditional metal territory into a more progressive area. On this record, there are examples of that. There are are some genuinely experimental tracks, like The Creature Lives really doesn't fit snugly in any genre that metalheads are used to. And I love the fact that they can still go into that space rock realm with songs like Stargasm. They also have a couple of acoustic tracks on this record as well. Well, it's got to be said, they're working with a producer, Mike Elizondo, who's best known for like mm-hmm. Fiona Apple and Alanis Morissette. And again, I think that's a real strength of this band. They don't want to be typecast as a certain kind of thing. As a result, there's some skepticism within the metal community about just how metal they really are. I don't care about the genre distinctions. Just like with Van Hunt, this is a record that's creating its own genre in yeah. a way. And I love that about it. I love the fact that you've got two or three singers in this band. The harmony vocals on this band are a real strength. So if you're scared of this band and you think, wow, they all got all these tattoos and they're really loud and they're oppressive, there's a real melody on a lot of these songs. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're not afraid to sing. They don't use that. Cookie Monster growl on song after song and obscure the melody. Instead, they heighten it with those vocals. Mastodon, again, it's five in a row for these guys. They seem to be one of the best bands on the planet right now, don't you think? Absolutely. Uh, The Hunter is a buy-it-all-the-way. So two buy-its for both Mastodon and Van Hunt. What do we have on the show next week, Greg? Next week, Jim, all the way from Australia, the electro-rock band Cut Copy will be live in the studio. As always, Greg, we have some thank yous to say
4: on the way out. Sound Opinions was produced by Jason Saldana and Robin Lynn, with Annie Minhoff helping them out and our fearless leader, our executive producer, Tori Southside-Malatea. His favorite Mastodon song is Octopus Has No Friends.
1: Everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800.
0: New messages. Hi, Jim and Greg. This is Sally Grayson calling from in Germany. I finally got caught up on listening to all the podcasts, and I have a couple of things to share. In regards to the Desert Island Jukebox, I've been pretty disappointed with the songs. Not that they're not good songs or... Important songs. More that, like, if you were really on a desert island, would you want to listen to that song over and over and over again? I mean, if we were on the same desert island, I'd hope that'd it be big enough that I could get away. Maybe it should be changed to uh, important historical songs jukebox or something like that. The second thing is just listen to the Handsome Fur Show and reminded me of a band from Minneapolis called Ghost in the Water who also does electro-pop style music and is also a married couple. So there you go. Thanks. Bye-bye.
3: great show, guys. This is Dave in uh, Middletown, Delaware. One of your uh, recent critics on the uh, landline here had said something about people screaming like Dave Grohl the food Fighters. came up with an idea to me. What about doing a show based on, believe it or not, well, people who somehow, through the control of the screaming of their voices, have become very successful and have made major successful songs, all involved with the power of, I guess, vocal screaming. Foo Fighters have a couple, the B-52s have a few, ACDC, even I think the Stones in a sense, yeah, give me shelter. I believe it's all screaming. I know that's something you guys want to do. That would sound great. It'd be interesting. Uh, thanks. Hello, this is Terry from Raleigh, North Carolina. Your show is an inspiration. Always a great time listening to you. I think Jeff Beck's latest album, Emotion and Commotion, deserves a little bit of a listen. Um, he continues to be the only rock guitar god, quote unquote, but seems to be completely reinvent himself, never sitting on his laurels, and being as how rock and roll is one of those folk musics which has produced such remarkable instrumentalists such as Mr. Beck. Let's take a closer look at him at some point. Thank you. May. I'm from Chicago, Illinois. I just wanted to call and say, and maybe this will be on the air. I just want people to know that there are a lot of people out there that just don't like Bono. He's just a fool. So full of himself. And he keeps getting on these documentaries. I don't even know why he's on these documentaries. I saw him once in a Fat Possum documentary about And he just said the most ridiculous thing. I turned off the TV and immediately turned around and listened to the most crass music I could find. Thank you.
4: No more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.